Homeless service agencies are where you can go to access services and find solutions for the problems that you're facing. This is Lawyer to Lawyer, the award-winning legal podcast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. West Coast meets East Coast, and yes, they are attorneys, bringing you the latest legal news and observations every week with the leading experts in the legal profession. Produced right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today. I'm Craig Williams from sunny Southern California. And this is Bob Ambrogi coming to you from uh, blustery Boston, Massachusetts, um, I, uh, where I write a blog, a uh, couple of blogs, Law Sites and Media Law, and also legal blog, watchforlaw.com. Craig? And I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court, and have a book out called How to Get Sued. Today's show, Bob, is sponsored by Clio, which is a web-based practice management program for lawyers at goclio.com. Well, speaking of, of blustery, uh, we've we've already had snow here in Massachusetts, I regret to say, but uh, with the approach of winter, uh, it only draws uh, greater urgency to, to the plight of homeless people all over the country. Uh, this year alone, uh, homelessness has continued to rise. Uh, California, plagued by a high foreclosure rate, has seen people, young and old, rich and poor, in greater numbers out on the streets in New York, uh, it's estimated there are approximately 10,000 homeless families sleeping in the New York City municipal shelter system, the highest number since the city began reporting this data more than 25 years ago. Well, and today on Lawyer to Lawyer, Bob, we're going to look at how this down economy has driven many to the streets and shelters and what's being done to provide shelter and illegal requirements for cities and towns to deal with homelessness. And helping us discuss this today are two guests. Uh, first of all, I'd like to introduce attorney Steve Binder. Steve is a deputy public defender in San Diego. Uh, in 1989, Steve founded the San Diego Homeless Court Program, an innovative program that makes the courts more accessible and responsive to homeless individuals. Over the years since, he has uh, helped create uh, homeless court throughout California and in a number of other states. This year, the Veterans Administration Secretary Eric Shinseki honored Binder by presenting him with the Award for Achievement in Service to Homeless Veterans. He's also an associate of Ashoka, a global organization of social entrepreneurs, and he currently serves as chairperson of the ABA Commission on Homelessness and Poverty. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, Steve Binder. Thank you. Well, Bob, our next guest is attorney Maria Fosterinas. She is founder and executive director of the National Law Center on Homelessness and Poverty, which is a nonprofit organization established in 1989 as a legal arm of the nationwide effort to end homelessness. Maria has advocated for solutions to homelessness at a national level since as far back as 1985. She's the primary architect of the Stuart B. McKinney Homeless Assistance Act, which was the first major federal legislation addressing homelessness. And she has litigated to secure the legal rights of homeless persons. Maria writes and speaks widely on legal and policy issues affecting homeless persons and is frequently quote, quoted in the media. Welcome to Lawyer, to lawyer Attorney Maria Fosterina. Thank you so much. Well, Maria, I think from what we can tell, you work with homeless on a daily basis. Um, what's the status of where things are in the States? And, and is it bleak or are we on our way to uh, solving this problem? Well, to be honest, I think both. 
Um, it's bleak because homelessness is increasing. The impact of the foreclosure crisis and the economic recession has been really severe, and we have seen pretty dramatic increases in homelessness in cities and in communities all across the country. And we're seeing especially a big impact on families and people who formerly may have been um, middle class losing their homes um, due to foreclosure, due to loss of a job, um, and and becoming homeless. And we have seen reports from all across the country about shelters seeing record increases, turning people away. And um, it's, it's really, I think, a crisis right now. Um, but at the same time, I think there are also some um, signs of hope. There have been some important new legislative initiatives that have been successful, that have been passed into law, and that, um, for example, um, a requirement that the federal government develop an action plan to end homelessness, cutting across all federal agencies, and this is something I think is very significant. Um, there have been some increased funding resources at the federal level, and there have been some protections put into place to protect renters who are threatened with a loss of their homes during um, due to foreclosure. So I think there is some hope and there's some opportunities for change on the horizon, but um, at the same time, the need is greater than ever. And Maria, we want to talk more about the work that you do at the National Law Center on Homelessness and Poverty, but I, I wanted to turn first to uh, Steve and just get his 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 overview of the situation. Uh, pretty much the same question that Craig just asked Maria. Steve, see what are you seeing from where you are? We are seeing an increase in homelessness and yet a tremendous effort from the folks on the streets to try to make do with what limited services are available. And to that end, um, oh, there are people who are knocking on the doors day after day of various homeless service agencies trying to access their services and essentially indicating to everyone else that they don't want to be on the streets. There's a lack of services to help move them off the streets. And they need an opportunity as much as we need to provide those opportunities to get them moving. And short, there's uh, a lot of folks that I see in our monthly homeless court proceedings. We have a hearing this afternoon and people are getting a lot of public nuisance offenses that essentially push them further outside of society. It complicates things for both the community at large as well as the people who are living on the streets. The hopeful part is that there are a number of homeless service agencies across the city in San Diego. I'm mindful it's much the same across the nation who are still plugging along and keeping their doors open, um, trying to outreach to as many people as possible and really helping a lot of folks who for the first time are facing homelessness um, get their lives back. Well, we, let's come back to the court program in a minute, but let's go. Let's go back to Maria. Maria, I, I know we only have a, a limited amount of time with you today, and I want to. I wanted to ask you if you could tell us uh, more about the work uh, of the National Law Center on Homelessness and Poverty. 
Well, our mission here is to use the law as a tool to end and prevent homelessness. Our goal really is to address the causes of homelessness um, so that we end it and not simply um, alleviate its symptoms. So that's what we're working on, and we are um, doing it by um, through a number of different strategies. So we... We, war- we do litigation at the law center, but we mainly do impact litigation as opposed to um, individual representation. So, for example, in um, a recent case, we um, were able to successfully file suit on behalf of a class of homeless children who had been denied access to school because of their homelessness, and this was in violation of federal law, and we... Um, we're able to bring this as a class action and ultimately prevail. That's the kind of litigation we engage in. We also do policy advocacy at the federal level. We work in Congress to get new laws enacted, and we also work at the state and local level. And I'll give you some examples. We recently worked to get a law passed, a federal law passed, that protects renters who are um, in danger of being evicted um, with no legal rights because the home that they are renting has been foreclosed on or the apartment in the case of a multifamily dwelling has been, um, um, the building has been foreclosed on. So now there's federal law in place that protects those renters from sudden eviction without any notice. So, and that was something we were very actively involved in. Um, we do a lot of, of education and training for lawyers and also for non-lawyers on what their rights are, including producing Know Your Rights materials for homeless people themselves, um, including doing trainings on um, for government officials to make sure they know what the law that they're supposed to be enforcing is, and for lawyers. Um, we work a lot with volunteer lawyers here at the Law Center. We have a very strong pro bono program. Um, we leverage a lot of donated legal services. We work with many um, law firm partners, and we're very fortunate to have a lot of support from the private bar. Some of the issue areas we work on, in addition to the ones I mentioned, housing, of course, is key. Um, we do work to protect the housing rights of domestic violence survivors. I mentioned the work on behalf of homeless children and their um, education rights. Um, we also address the trend that Steve mentioned earlier of um, cities using nuisance laws or other kinds of um, local ordinances to penalize people for living in public, essentially for being homeless. So, for example, arresting or ticketing people who are sleeping out in public, even though there's no other place for them to be because the shelters are full. Um, We have a number of court cases challenging these kinds of laws on constitutional grounds. And um, so protecting the basic civil rights of homeless people is another issue area that we work on. And we're also working um, more recently on protecting the human rights of homeless people because we view homelessness as a human rights crisis, and there is well-developed human rights law that addresses precisely the issues that we're working on. On uh, Steve, some of what Maria is talking about is 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 going going to the courts on behalf of the homeless. But you you've, as I understand it, you've taken kind of a different approach, which is essentially to to bring the courts to the homeless in, in a way. I mean, tell us about 
the project that you're involved in? Certainly. Basically, we, we run a monthly homeless court um, session that is actually held at St. Vincent de Paul Village and Veterans Village of San Diego in San Diego. And it's uh, taking the court, the judge, the prosecution, the bailiff, and meeting participants at homeless service agencies to help them resolve the outstanding criminal cases they face. It's a full range of misdemeanor offenses, not just what is typically considered public nuisance or homeless-related offenses, because we realize, in large part, the offenses that they're facing, whether directly related or tangentially related to their homeless condition, are obstacles to their reintegration back into society. And that they don't have, when they go to the traditional court, they are typically facing fines and the threat of custody that really compromises their forward movement. Because when somebody's incarcerated, when they're released, they're literally released back to the streets. So what we have when we're talking these public nuisance offenses is the general citizenry, businesses calling and saying, somebody sleep in my doorway, do something about it. And sadly, the police have limited options. They can issue a citation, they can arrest somebody. The courts, too, then have limited options because that individual is forced into the court system. The courts typically fine and incarcerate people. It hasn't solved anybody's problems. It's frustrating to both the police, the prosecution, and yes, even us defense attorneys. Add to that, the, it frustrates the people who are living on the streets. So when we go to hold homeless court proceedings at St. Vincent de Paul this afternoon. We're helping people who have been actively engaged in their programs and what they've done, be it life skills, entering chemical dependency classes, going through counseling, taking care of medical problems, be it physical or mental health issues, or even job training and job searches. That all goes to satisfy the court offenses. And 90% of the charges are dismissed Those where people have previously promised to fulfill certain terms and conditions of probation, those are largely satisfied, again, by these program activities and proof of these accomplishments so that the court knows that those offenses and the likelihood of anyone being exposed to, shall we say, criminal uh, charges in the future is diminished because people have largely reclaimed their lives. They're not... In, on the streets anymore. They are looking forward to gaining employment, getting an apartment, and um, being part of our community. Maria, what, what are some of the myths and some of the realities of homelessness? I mean, the, many of our listeners are lawyers, and you know, we leave home, go to the office, and rarely encounter homeless people, uh, and, and probably not involved with the situation. So can you educate our... Sure, um, I'd be happy to. Um, I think there are many myths, um, and one of them has to do with who homeless people are. I think sometimes there are stereotypes that uh, many of us who are not working with homeless people on a daily basis hold, and those um, stereotypes tend to be self-reinforcing. So, for example, many people believe that homeless people are... Um, single males who are maybe drug addicted or mentally ill or both, 
And that is not the case. Those are the people that we see on the street who stand out um, and who we pick out and think, oh, they're homeless. But in fact, there are many people who we may pass by in the street every day who don't fit the stereotype and who do we don't realize are homeless. So, for example, many homeless people actually work. Um, nationally, the statistic is 44%, but don't make enough money to pay for housing. These may be part-time workers or they may be day laborers. Um, another um, important statistic is that many um, homeless people are homeless as families. And so the homeless population includes many children. And this, again, is something that we don't often see. Um, often families with children are not actually on the street. They may be in a shelter or they may be living in a car or some other hidden place and so are not as easily visible. So I think that's one important myth. I think another um, important myth is that people are homeless because they want to be homeless, that somehow people choose to be homeless. And I think that that is clearly not the case. There are always exceptions to every rule, but in my experience, I have never encountered a homeless person who will say, yes, I'd rather be homeless than have a safe place to live. Sometimes people will prefer to be outdoors as opposed to living in a shelter, but that can be um, a rational decision people make based on danger in the shelter, based on um, conflicts um, between shelter schedules and work schedules, or any number of reasons. But the fundamental point is people are not homeless because they want to be homeless. And I guess the final myth I'd point to is that there are resources available and people just don't avail themselves of them, which is related, I guess, to the question of choice. Um, shelters are not sufficient, even if we were to consider shelter an acceptable solution. Um, there is not sufficient shelter space, and there are federal government surveys that indicate that um, almost half the entire population, homeless population nationally, is unsheltered because of lack of resources. And that was before the current crisis. Now, with the current crisis, more and more people are being turned away from shelters because there simply is not sufficient shelter. But really, what we, what we, those of us working on the issue believe is that permanent affordable housing is the solution to homelessness, the long-term solution, not shelter. And there, um, the gap is even greater. There's just not sufficient affordable housing. Maria, I know that, uh, you're not able to stay with us for the entire program today, but before we let you go, I wondered if I could ask you two questions. One is if you could uh, let our listeners know how they might be able to follow up with you uh, if they're interested in getting more information. Uh, and, and also uh, it, to, to just ask you uh, to kind of give your, your, your concluding thoughts on this topic uh, before we do let you go. Sure, I'd be glad to do both. Um, first of all, my contact information, um, best place to go for information on the issue is our website, which is www.nlchp.org. Um, those are our initials for National Law Center on Homelessness and Poverty, nlchp.org. Um, and um, I would love to hear from any of your listeners. 
My personal email address is mfoscarinas at nlchp.org. Um, so would love to have feedback. The other point I would make is that there are lots of ways for lawyers to be involved. Lawyers really have played a leading role in advocacy for solutions to homelessness over for over two decades. And um, it's very important to realize that homelessness can be ended. Homelessness doesn't have to exist in a country as that does have the resources like ours does to make sure that everybody has a place to live that's just meeting that basic need. Homelessness did not always exist in the United States on this kind of scale that it is um, that it does now. And it doesn't have to exist, and lawyers can make a difference. All right. Well, we really appreciate your taking the time to be with us today, and uh, we know we know you have to run, so thanks a lot for being with us. Well, thank you so much. We're going to take a short break right now. We are going to have more with Steve Binder, so stay with us, and we will be back in just a moment. Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. Sign up for a free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code L2L for a 25% discount. Don't miss out on the latest in new media marketing opportunities for your firm. Contact Deb Curran at 781-551-9960 and learn all about the Web 2.0 revolution. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We're back with attorney Steve Finder. Steve, many of our listeners are, are going to be asking what to do and, you know, for out in California, perhaps it doesn't seem as dire as it does back east, but what could, what is it that San Diego needs and what is it that California needs? Well, and Maria really hit it when she was talking about the mythology of people choosing to be homeless and that there are enough services available. Today in San Diego, the veterans' cold weather tent opened up. That was 150 beds. There was a line out the door even before the gate opened at 5 o'clock this morning. That tent's full today. And still there are more people on the streets who desire to get off the streets. It is incumbent upon us as a country, really, to invest in the myriad of problems that homelessness represents. It's not all drugs. It's not all mental illness. Yes, those elements are there, but it's employment and it's health concerns. It's... uh, it's a commitment to each other. And we've learned that if we invest, for example, in the bank financial collapse that we were facing just last year, that we can turn that problem around. Certainly, we can turn the problems that homelessness represents around, too. And so opening up a tent today in San Diego is one start. Opening up other services and housing for um People who are on the streets is another. It's a matter of us being as committed as the folks on the streets and us being as patient as the folks on the streets, too. Because sadly, for way too long, it's been, shall we say, a survival of the fittest 
for people to get into programs. And so in some respects, people on the streets have come to say, and you might hear it at first blush, no, I'm okay, I don't need services, I'll take care of myself. Because they've learned to do that for themselves, however hard that may be. Um, But at the same time, and I'm going to see it this afternoon, when we hold homeless court proceedings at St. Vincent de Paul Village, we're going to have 73 people on calendar with over 200 cases. They're going to have a full range of cases that go anywhere from jaywalking and illegal lodging to petty thefts under the influence of controlled substance and even DUIs. And we will be able to help them resolve their cases so that they can go on with their program activities. They can go on to apartments and employment. And so there is hope out there because the folks on the streets really are making a tremendous effort. It's sometimes hard to see, but they're doing. Steve, are there, are there any real standout efforts anywhere in the country that you can point to as a good model? Well, I look to Veterans Village of San Diego. They're the ones who host and sponsor the annual Stand Down event. Stand Down is that three-day tent city for homeless veterans. That's been, um, it started here in San Diego in 1988 and goes on annually. It's been replicated across the country. Uh, Another really impressive effort is the 1811 Eastlake facility in Seattle that takes people in who have been drinking. It is a detox in some respects, but there's no requirement that people be sober, but they engage people who have been drinking, and slowly but surely, people, once they feel secure, start dealing with the other aspects of their lives, and they do cut down and even stop drinking. It is a matter of our public safety as well as their public safety that is incumbent upon all of us to, when we provide services and really provide the opportunities for folks on the streets to access services. Think of homelessness as kind of like the canary in the coal mine. For all of the travails we're currently facing with employment, having enough uh, money to pay our bills, trying to seek medical services, that's what homeless folks have been going through for years before. And um, sadly, you know, it's, it's reaching the middle class now. And we have actually seen people in our homeless court program who were paying rent on a monthly basis, but the landlord was foreclosed upon. And they had no idea that that landlord was in foreclosure when all of a sudden they're on the streets and they are then um, swept up for having committed offenses of simply living on the streets. The nice part is, through our homeless court program, The court is extending itself. It's promoting access to justice as well as confidence in the courts by opening its doors, albeit in a homeless service agency community room, but it's sending a strong signal both to the folks on the streets that homeless service agencies are where you can can go to access services and find solutions for the problems that you're facing, that you don't have to stay on the streets, that there are opportunities out there. But sadly, yes, it takes people weeks, if not months sometimes, to get into some of the programs because the waiting lists are so long. 
Steve, I have to wonder, I, I know that you've helped, uh, you've been working to, to bring this program to other states and other jurisdictions. And as, as I understand it, you've been successful in, in doing that. But what about uh, the judicial systems that don't have programs such as this? How how prepared or, or ill-prepared are judges and, and, and lawyers and, and other court officers to deal with the homeless? You are correct. I've been working closely with the ABA, the American Bar Association, Commission on Homelessness and Poverty, for replication of the homeless court across the country. And there's some 40-plus homeless courts that we know of that exist across this country. And they stand as an example for communities that don't have such proceedings to even adopt these, uh, this attitude, this uh, process, on a case-by-case basis. That maybe somebody standing before you is charged with an offense, but gaining a conviction doesn't necessarily solve that problem and assure public safety. It is providing the services. It's giving people credit for what they've done in programs that really helps us to find order on the streets and ensure public safety. And so the commission is going out across the country and offering its services to link attorneys, link service providers, and answer a lot of the problems that uh, homelessness and poverty represent across this country. Um, They've been very effective. The commission has uh, dedicated uh, members, board members, that lend their expertise to help answer a lot of the questions communities face. And so in turn, we have communities out there that are grappling with how do we deal with the onslaught of foreclosures? How do we deal with people who are underwater on their mortgage? And it's a sad statement when people are literally walking away from their mortgage payments and their obligations because they can't afford to live anymore in the houses that they're they they once purchased. Uh, and Steve, we're we're pretty much at the end of our program at this point, and we need to get your final thoughts and your contact information. So if you could please uh, wrap up with uh, the discussion and uh, and then give us give your listeners your contact information so they can reach you if they'd like to be in touch. Okay. Well, my contact information, and I'd love to hear from your listeners. My email is Steve dot binder at sd county, as in Sam David County sdcounty.ca.gov. You can also, if you want to learn more about homelessness, go to Veterans Village of San Diego's website to learn about their efforts, as well as the ABA Commission on Homelessness and Poverty website to learn more about the commission and uh, ask for technical assistance. But basically, as dire as it seems in our communities that there are increasing, the numbers of homelessness is growing, there is tremendous effort also in our communities in both government and nonprofit agencies to address the, the problems homelessness represents and to struggle with what little government nonprofits have with their budgets, and yet they keep going. And in, in long and short, I look at our homeless participants, those who attend homeless court proceedings, as the leaders of the future and that they are living examples that you can overcome tremendous obstacles and challenges to pull your lives together individually and as governments and as nonprofit agencies, we just have to keep plugging along. We can get through this. 
Well, Steve, uh, this is important uh, and inspiring work you're doing, and we really appreciate your taking the time to be with us today to talk about it. And uh, also, again, another thanks to Maria Foscarinas for her time with us. Craig, that about does it for this week's program. Sure does, Bob. And for our listeners, remember, you can check out all of our Lawyer to Lawyer shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com. And our shows are also available on iTunes as well. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week. Steve, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. Every week, a new legal topic that you won't want to miss. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.